appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him to be punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut out from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor there were any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though our Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong, and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion with the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life to death and was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Our second reading is from 1 Peter, chapter 4. Starting at verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power for ever and ever. Amen. 
Good morning. Excuse me. Good morning. I'm Colin. Add my welcome to everybody else's. Great to have you with us. Thanks for joining in with a Christmas carol already. It's never too early, is it? So I wonder if you've been up against any deadlines lately. Let me just get this going. Thank you. Any deadlines? Um, Because being up against a deadline changes how we live, doesn't it? Um, I'm the kind of person that's never been able to fool myself to do things earlier before the deadline. You know, I console myself that diamonds are formed under pressure, as they say, you know, doing things last minute. But certainly having a deadline changes how you live your life. And those of you who booned in exams lately might be able to relate. And those changes that you, that you make to life um, through that period of running up to a deadline can have a lasting impact. So here's my example, all right? Oh, that this too, too solid flesh would melt, thaw and resolve itself into a dew, or that the everlasting had not set his mantle against self-slaughter. That's a quote from Hamlet that I learned from the A-level English lit. It didn't come up in the exam, and that hasn't been any use since. But I can still remember it. I'm not bitter. Not bitter. But today we're going to look at how we're to live differently as disciples of Jesus. We're continuing our series on discipleship by being loving in service. Because we know that there's a deadline looming. A day when Jesus will return to save those who believe in him. And give them a glorious inheritance that will last forever. And to judge those who still oppose God. So we'll look at the passage, uh, that second passage from 1 Peter. To see how we can serve with love. And love by serving. In the light of the fact that Jesus will return. But before we get into that passage, I want to help us see why loving service is the right response by looking at the character and nature of who we are following. The nature of who we are following. Because at the heart of living as a disciple of Jesus, at the heart of being loving in service, is being other person-centered. And that's because God, at the very heart of his nature, is other person-centered. There's an outline in your leaflets there. So here we're on that first heading, other person-centered. Our church, and if you haven't noticed, is called Trinity Bay. And that word Trinity, referring to the fact that God is one. God is one being. Remember, we saw that in Deuteronomy. God is one. But he's three persons. Father, Son, and Spirit. One being, three persons. Now, how that can be is a mystery you'll never quite get your head around. But there is lots in the Bible that tells us that's how it is. And there's lots, don't worry about what we don't know. There's lots in the Bible that we do know about the Trinitarian nature of God. And what we find is that in his very nature, God is other person-centered. Each person of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, puts the other persons above themselves. So we'll just quickly look at, I don't want to give you a theology lecture, but we'll just quickly look at three examples from um, John's gospel. 
And we've got the verses on the screen. So in John 5.20, Jesus says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. And then a little further on from verse 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. So God the Father gives God the Son everything. But Jesus, God the Son, doesn't uh, use this to do his power and authority to just do his own thing. So further on in John 14, 31, Jesus says, I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. So Jesus, is perf- this God the Son, is perfectly obedient to God the Father, obedient even to death on a cross. And what about the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is all about revealing the Father and the Son. So John sixteen thirteen. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, there's heaps more we could look at um, to explain the Trinitarian nature of God. But you get the gist. It means that even within himself, God is other person-centered. And, of course, the ultimate example we had read to us from Isaiah 53. In Jesus, God has put our needs above his own. Uh, Isaiah 53, this was information given to the prophet Isaiah by God about a suffering servant that he would send to save his people from their sins by taking their punishment for them. So from Isaiah 53, 5, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. This servant would be Jesus, God the Son, becoming one of us to rescue us. See, each of us desperately needs God to be other person-centered for us because we've all been self-centered. From verse 6 of 53, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In other words, God has treated us like he treats himself, putting our needs first by giving himself up in God the Son, Jesus. And just think what a cost that must have been to himself. The three persons of God from all eternity in perfect selfless relationship with one another, allowing the Son to be abandoned to death on a cross. So it's no wonder then that when we're called to follow Jesus, we're called to other person-centered, loving service. Because loving service resonates with just who God is. And it's the example set for us by the king that we're following, Jesus. So that's your motivation number one for being loving in service is the other person-centered nature of God ultimately shown in the example of Jesus. So let's get into our main reading now, uh, 1 Peter 4. 
So a bit of context, Peter is the Apostle Peter. He's writing this letter to a church that is really suffering persecution, lots of opposition. And he's writing to encourage them and show them how to endure in face of all that opposition and suffering. And so as we get into this passage, uh, he reminds them of our second reason for other person-centered loving service, that the end of all things is near. So the opposition, the injustice, and the suffering the Christians Peter's writing to, let's remember that this is only temporary. And in the big picture, in the big scheme of things, God will sort it all out. Jesus has promised that there is a day when he will return, this time not to save, but to judge. To make sure that fair is fair, that justice is done, and that sin and evil are dealt with once and for all. Those who have faith in Jesus are forgiven, saved into an eternity of perfect, joyful relationship that will make these present sufferings they're going through seem like nothing. So Jesus' return is the deadline we are to live in, in light of, in the here and now. The one who has served us is returning. But we're not supposed to make it until he does or until we die. We're not supposed to do that on our own. We're called to love and serve one another as Jesus served us to make sure together we all endure. And in this short passage, we've got five ways to do just that. And they're in your outline. So let's get into them. Excuse me. So first, pray. Um, if you heard last week, we heard, learned lots from Paul Harrington um, looking at prayer. I think that will be on the web next week. Sermon, yep. You can look at if you if you missed that. We looked at the prayer Jesus taught us. But throughout the Bible, and right here, prayer is something God tells us to do. In fact, praying is something we must do if we are to endure to the end. It's so important that we're commanded, verse 4, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. So I guess you could react different ways to the idea that the end of the world is coming. You could just kind of get drunk and forget everything because I think there's just no consequences. But that would be a wrong response. Rather, Jesus returning, the end of the world means that the consequences of everything is coming to a head to receive just punishment or to be covered over by Jesus and forgiven through faith. So we're encouraged to be proactive in getting our heads in the space where we will pray. I find that quite encouraging that this is in the Bible because it tells me that people have always struggled to pray. So we've got to be alert and sober-minded, so we pray. So it's worth us all asking ourselves, what stops you being alert? What dulls your senses so that you become insensitive to sin? What dulls you so that you end up not caring about the struggles of those around you? What makes you forget the lostness of your friends and family? 
I think the danger for all of us is that we, we protect ourselves so much from the struggles of life that, that when we see a brother or sister struggling in life or faith, our reflex can be to shrug our shoulders or throw our hands up. But rather our reflex should be to pray. And I think you can train yourself in this. So the other morning over breakfast, Sharon said, why am I singing Cheer Up Charlie? So you know with the movie Willy Wonka, it's got a song in it, Cheer Up Charlie. Sharon found herself singing that, and I laughed because I knew exactly why she was singing that. When our, in the morning, when our dog Lily smells toast, she comes and sits right next to you and begs. And I always sing to her, Get lost, Lily. So that tune to cheer up Charlie. So Sharon had clearly got fed up with Lily begging from her and unknowingly picked up the same reflex reaction I had. She didn't even know why she was singing that tune, but she had the same thought. So my point is we do have some control over our alertness and our clarity of mind to build up a reflex reaction of prayer. So work on your prayer reflex. So next, we have to love deeply. Uh, verse 8, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And the rest of the passage unpacks how we do this practically. But notice the priority given to love, above all. It's no good serving one another and exercising our gifts purely out of a sense of duty. Because if we do that, then it just our discipleship will just seem like another burden. Now, behind all our serving is to be love, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now, what does that mean? Um, it, it's true that Christ's love led him to die on the cross for us, and that covers over our sins so that we can be forgiven. That is true. It's just not what this verse is talking about. This is from Proverbs ten thirteen. I think. It's a proverb, and it's not about how our love for one another kind of greases the wheels of our church life. I hate to break it to you, but we're all broken, sinful people. And there are loads of things about us that under normal circumstances would short-circuit and end our relationships. We simply wouldn't put up with one another without love. But love covers over our own sinfulness and helps us to bear with other people's. So love will make me less and less unbearable. And love will make you more and more able to bear with me. Sorry, that iPad's just died. Go into paper. Uh, to illustrate, uh, I've reworded. Um, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You usually hear it at weddings. Love is patient, love is kind, all of that. Um, it's actually about serving so i've re reworded a little bit of it love is patient with the most irritating love is kind it does not get grumpy doing set up on an empty belly with no brekkie it does not get cross when someone is late it does not resent someone not pulling their weight it is not proud love is not self-seeking love turns up at home group even when you don't feel like it for the sake of others it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of administrative errors. It does not delight in pulling someone to pieces, but rejoices in helping them do better. It always protects, 
always trusts God will work through our weaknesses, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. To love deeply, even when it's hard to love someone. Be nice to each other, even when people don't deserve it. Because we're to love each other on the basis of how Jesus loves us perfectly. We don't love each other on the basis of our failure to love and serve each other properly. And as we do love each other deeply, we form deep, real relationships that will help one another to endure, staying faithful disciples of Jesus until the end. Uh, So next... Offer whinge-free hospitality. So what's the secret to enduring as a disciple under pressure? What is a key factor in your growth in Christian maturity? Hanging out with one another. Have meals and fun and movie marathons. And be the kind of person or the kind of household that doesn't mind or actually really likes it when someone says, is it all right if I pop around? Or be the kind of person or family that says, is it all right if I pop around? Because really, you're doing the other people a favor. However, there is a strict condition. I'm telling you to be hospitable. But God doesn't just want just anybody being hospitable. There are standards, you know. Okay. But it isn't a tidy house. It isn't cordon bleu cooking or a cool home theater. There's a condition, and it's there in verse 9. Offer hospitality without grumbling. Um, Again, not being hospitable out of our sense of duty, but cultivating our heart to be hospitable. You know, this Christmas we'll remember how Jesus left the comfort of heaven and entered into the least hospitable environment to make sure that we can be welcomed as children of God. We aren't supposed to endure on our own. We're made as relational creatures. I mean, think about it. God is relational in his very nature. We've seen that. He commands us to pray, um, even when he doesn't need us to, so that we're relational with him. And he's deliberately made us relational creatures who need one another. Um, A few of us went to see Sam Albury um, talk at an event earlier in the year. And he had some interesting things to say about how families and single people need each other. So parents, your children need more than just you. They need you to be helped by others. And Sam shared how he, as a single man, was able to support friends with children. And also, how as a single man, he wasn't lonely. He enjoyed deep, loving, intimate relationships with friends, with families. None of that would happen without hospitality. So two very quick practical suggestions to help you with hospitality. Um, First one, half an hour. Half an hour at the end of church on Sunday. Um, Just put your day back by half an hour so you can stick around here half an hour longer chatting. It's all very small. It's a small amount of time, but over the year... It really mounts up and affects your relationships. Um, And the other thing is, I suspect most of us are going to have lunch after church. Um, 
why don't you work out now, this week, for, well, we won't do it next week because it's gingerbread and then it's carols, but work out today for December the 17th, who are you going to invite back for lunch? And it doesn't have to be fancy. So Paul and Sue were here the first week they were here visiting. We invited them back for lunch and we went to all the trouble of going to the sushi shop and buying sushi for lunch. That's all we did. So the important thing is the relationships and the conversations, not the food. Hospitality. So next, being in love, being loving in service is to give what you have been given. Verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So in other words, know that your you-ness, who you are, how God's wired you, what he's made you good at and interested in, is his gift of grace to you and to his church. And it's a gift you're supposed to look after um, and use faithfully. Because your you-ness is God's way of supplying what church needs. So remember from uh, Paul's sermon from from Corinthians 12. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, that's you, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Now, what this doesn't mean is that we should go through some elaborate process of trying to work out exactly what our gift is and only ever do that. Now, a better starting point is to do what is needed. Um, And that's another way of being other person centered, just doing what's been needed. Think of Jesus' example. So Jesus had many gifts. He could raise the dead, perform miracles, he could heal, he could teach. But he went to his death on the cross. Not because he was good at it, but because we needed it. That said, it is wise long term to, to um, if it f- fits with church's needs, to serve with what you're good at and what you enjoy. But being loving, being other person centered, and considering what will build up church should always be our filters for using our gifts and our talents. So later on, we're going to have the opportunity to um, fill in a form to indicate how you might like to serve next year. Um, It's not the be-all and end-all of service. Let me put that out there. But it it is stuff that needs to happen. So maybe some of it you're just not capable of. I'm going to do you all a favor by not putting myself down for music. That would be a disaster. Um, there might be some things you might jump straight to it because you know it's a need and you know you like doing it and you're good at it. Some things you might be, eh, whatever, but you know you could or you want to learn to do it, and so you do. However we serve, we're to do so reflecting him who gave us the ability to serve. So verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, They should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So we should seek to do all our service in a manner that betrays who it is we're doing it for. Now, we never want to sort of freeze and never get started until all our ducks are completely lined up and we feel super good at something before we attempt it. But everything we do do, we're to give it our best 
effort in order that God might be praised. I don't know if you ever, I, I find myself wondering, you know the queen, your monarch as well as mine, the queen, does she think the whole world smells of fresh paint? Because like, think about it, everywhere she visits and goes, everywhere she goes, it's always been spruced up, hasn't it? Been made to look its best with a fresh lick of paint. She probably doesn't know interiors can smell any different. But that sort of special effort, special attention, that's what we're to serve with. Because we're doing it for someone really important. We're not doing it for a network or a roster. uh, But we're doing it that God might be praised through Jesus Christ. Just a quick word about burning out. Um, Because I've I've met too many people, I think, who feel like they're being burnt out by serving too much in churches. Not not this one, but others. Um, God has seen fit to make us humans and he's made us out of dust needing sleep you know a famous verse of the bible is jesus wept another verse also says jesus slept god doesn't need us to be superhuman now of course being other person centered will mean being self-sacrificing it will mean suffering for the sake of the gospel It'll mean us being prepared to be worse off uh, emotionally, financially, time-wise for the sake of others and for the gospel. But long-term, we can't give of ourselves self-sacrificially if there's nothing left to give. So serve lovingly, bearing in mind that you are human. Serve in God's strength. Verse 11, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So just practically, a good guide is to bear in mind that every yes that you give will also mean a no. So yes, I'm going to go to home group every week. So no, non-Christian friends, that means I can't catch up with you on a Tuesday night. It's still worth it um, so that I can endure and mature and encourage others. But if I was to fill up every evening with Christian stuff, Probably not wise in the long term. Your job is to worship, love, and serve God, not to be God. You can't please everyone, you can't do everything, and you're not called to do so. So from that starting point of knowing you're human, forget yourself and serve others. So to conclude... We're to be other person-centered, loving in service, because God in his very nature is like that. Being Christian is being loving in service, because that's the nature and essence and ultimate example of Jesus, our master. And we're to be loving in service, because Jesus is returning to judge the living and the dead, and we need each other to endure to the end. So I'll pray in a moment, but I'll just end with this quote from Rory Shiner. He's a pastor, theologian in Perth. He spoke at the men's conference earlier in the year. And, and as he says this, he's talking about our fear of sinking through serving too much. And he says this. 
The truth in the first place is the other way around. Without serving, you will sink as a Christian. To wash one another's feet, to share the gospel, to care for the poor, to take responsibility for the building up of the body of Christ, that is the Christian life. If you don't want a life shaped by service, there are other religions. This one is about serving. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you that in your very nature, you are other person-centered, so much so that you sent your son Jesus to die in our place, to cover over our sins and bring us forgiveness. Uh, please help us um, to serve you, um, to steward well the gifts that you've given us, and please help us to serve you and each other with love. Uh, please help us never just be going through the motions, but give us, growing us a genuine love for one another and a desire to serve you and each other so that we may endure to the end as disciples of Jesus. Amen.